0: body is murderous in their intentions towards everybody else.
1: I can hold them back. Submit yourself to one all-powerful absolute sovereign. Thomas Hobbes, the great 17th century natural philosopher, called this...
0: Leviathan!
1: Like shapeshifters, only a lot more into Eastern folk, and nothing can kill them.
0: Hello, the Internet, and welcome to the Lands of Leviathan podcast, where we discuss popular culture through the lens of political science and international relations theory. My name is Peter, and I am a political scientist. My name is Brock,
1: and I look at things from an international perspective. Please go ahead and listen to our initial podcast recordings on the website.
0: And that website is landsofleviathan.com, where you can find all our podcasts and articles. You can also find them on SoundCloud in the Lands of Leviathan podcast, as well as on iTunes by the same name and on YouTube by the same name.
1: To keep up to date with us, yeah, please go ahead and like our Facebook page, the Lands of Leviathan podcast. We're on Twitter as well. You get all our feeds and updates from our twitter account so follow us there we have an rss feed so sign up for that on our website and lastly if you'd like to contact us send us feedback please email us at lanzo leviathan which is spelled l-a-n-d-s-o-f-l-e-v-i-a-t-h-a-n at gmail.com with that i think we can begin our next episode
0: cool okay let's do this um and this episode is what we're calling our Politics 101 episode. We are discussing myths that are spread about politics through popular culture. So today we're going to be discussing three uh, pieces of popular culture. That is House of Cards, which I think is very popular at the moment, Uh, Battlestar Galactica, which might not be as popular, but I love it, and some computer games, uh, mainly strategy games like Age of Empires.
1: Yeah, that that was my request. I like Age of Empires. I'm just a bit old school like that. I, I would really love to hear if anybody else still plays that game. <laughs> All doing, right. For, through, but through that game, we're going to look at resource allocation and legitimacy. So, uh, so let's get into it. Excellent. So, Brock, I've got a question for you. Just, um, just yeah. to start off with, can you give us a
0: definition of politics?
1: What like? No, I haven't. I haven't read a textbook for ages. Um, I think I had to think what other people think politics is, I think if you ask other people what politics is, you get like a warped answer. They say, I don't know, people are interested in, in how people think, what people want, mostly power politics. And Generally, when I get a response, especially you know from tutorials on that, you can tell that uh, people don't have a good ass- sense of what politics is. So I'd rather answer with what politics is not. If we discuss that, we, I think we'd have a better... We'd set the parameters on what politics really is. And politics is not um, power politics. Power politics is a part of politics, but it's not politics in its entirety. How you govern a system, how you govern a regime is not based on power, it's not solely based on power. There are many other things that are There are yeah. many other things that, at work. You yeah, I must say. Because you have power.
0: Yeah, I must say, I, I agree with you. I, I do think uh, in my discussions I've had with a bunch of people that. A lot of people who might not uh, have studied politics, um, they think that that politics is essentially about power grabbing, uh, getting yes. as much power as possible, and yes. um, not necessarily they, looking past the point of, you know, why do people want the power?
1: And what do they hope to do with it? Yeah, mm, they mm. think that they just want the power for themselves, which unfortunately is some is sometimes and even often the case, but it's not always the case. In fact, you know, politics existed before nepotism before despotism um so it's just because dictators exist does not mean po- politics exists for them yeah exactly i agree with you why
0: so why is it do you think that we have this myth about uh a politics as power which is what it would be called in uh you know, in a politics, 101 oh, class.
1: I'll give you, I'll give you like a, a first-year answer. I think it, it's that way because of the media. You know, the media is for it, to blame for everything these days. But <laughs> they, 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 they truly do give uh, a warped um, view of how of the operations of politics and the, uh, how it functions in essence. Because mm. in essence, it's really boring. So for the media to cover it, you know, they wouldn't sell anything. They wouldn't sell any TV shows like um, you know The West Wing. They wouldn't sell House of Cards. Um, they have to make politics sexy, they have to make it dirty, and they have to sell all the, the negative and the sort of acutely bad things that happens in politics once every few years. So, so yeah, that that is the sole... It's the biggest means of accessing information about uh, the workings of politics. So I would blame the media, first off, for making it look like... Uh, A network of patronage
0: see that's absolutely fine to say and you know that i agree with you but let me play devil's advocate here for a second um what like why do you why do you think that it's necessarily not that i mean politics as power sells but why isn't it that you know why isn't politics just a power struggle at the end of the day i mean we've seen so much corruption happening in the world uh you know like you could point to any african state um, or you know we we look at, at shows like House of Cards, even though that sells, I agree with you. But why isn't that a a, a legitimate view of politics?
1: Well, why why it isn't true is because I think people forget um, how important accountability has become, mm. and not has become, but I mean accountability has always been there. It's not it's never been there as much as it should be, but people still hold their rulers accountable even before democratic systems, even before states existed we still had uh, small means and thankfully it's been the means of accountability have been increasing mm-hmm. but people still want we are social beings at nature so as soon as you have a group of human beings uh, in collectively they're going to want to take control uh, of how of how they live now mm-hmm. mostly they just want to feed themselves and look after their families but when they group together in bigger collectivities and societies you are going to establish more formal means of holding accountability and so as accountability, as means of accountability grow, society becomes more boring because there are more regulations, there are more constraints, there are more checks and balances, and slowly you got this web of uh, of operations that uh, eventually, in today's society, a government would have to live by and would have to satisfy its people, and so um, so it, when you watch all the workings on on how it decides to do that, writing papers, drafting. Uh, documents and bills to be to be passed it becomes incredibly uh, loathsome and uh oh what's the word i'm looking for cumbersome it just Mm. becomes a very long slow process of boring i I wouldn't wish i don't think that that's why many people don't want to work in government you just feel overcome Mm. with with the bureaucracy
0: see and i would i would take it a step further than that i agree with you um and that's a that's quite a nice macro view to look at it um, in my view, when I look at something like American politics, and I just like to say in the outset right now to all of our listeners that American politics is not the standard political system. In fact, the way that American politics works is actually quite alien compared to the rest of the world. Um, true. So, I mean, you, you see it in the way that, for instance, the uh, the courts recently have legislated that uh, ho- homosexual marriage is legal now as much as i agree with that personally for a court to be able to legislate that's a terrible thing for a democracy courts should not yeah. be able to legislate yeah absolutely if the state wants to fight it that has to go all the way back up to the supreme court so it's a it's it's very bad for a judicial branch of government to be able to legislate because as we said in previous podcasts that the the judicial branch is supposed to um interpret the laws not make the laws and that's a. That's bad for the separation of powers, which is the cornerstone of of democracy. Anyway, uh, so so the American system is not standard. But what I'd like to say at this point is, uh, and it's especially about this point of power, because what the media gets to the point of is that you know these people like uh, the guys in House of Cards and in Game of Thrones and and shows like that. They want power, but they never really go into why they want power, and. Yes that's such an important point because power has a very specific definition and power is basically the ability to carry out one's wishes or desires and at a political level it's just about creating policy so you don't just want power for the sake of power you want power to create the world that you see and that you want to do unfortunately in a democratic state the more power you have the more deals you have to make with other people so that's why politics is such a laborious process because you you, you want to see your vision for the world come true, but by the time you've reached this high level, you've made so many considerations and so many deals between so many different people that essentially you maybe get five percent of what you actually wanted to. Which is why, like, you know, presidents today will make these huge promises that not only do they're not lying about what they want to achieve it's that they physically cannot achieve that
1: and it, that's just where i regret some of the the showings and the illustrations made in house of cards because they do such a good job of writing the the deals that frank underwood has to make in order to get to the top the concessions he has to make uh, on part along party lines along individual lines you know he even as as the whip in Congress, he has to the, the you when you see Frank Underwood make these deals, um, you forget how in real life people aren't as cutthroat as he is, and uh, they mm. aren't as self interested. Sure, you get some some power hungry politicians, indeed, but you know to make the character exciting and to make the story uh, devilish, you have to make Frank Underwood as as bad as possible, mm. um, and that that's that warps the the nature of politics so people who just watch that show and expect that's how their president probably is uh you know that, that, that that's not necessarily correct in the least mm.
0: and i would like I'm, I'm in so much agreement with you it's actually weird um <laughs> the um the other thing is that show uh it, it i mean it's such a good show I, I love it because of its entertainment value um but frank underwood is shown as this like You know, almost Machiavellian intelligent individual surrounded by a bunch of fucking retards because nobody sees what he's what he's doing. You know, nobody acts against him, which would not be the case. You know, firstly, I'd like to say is that the 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 whole show, the premise of the show rests on the idea that he was promised a position by the president elect, and the president then withdrew that that offer. That that yes. could not happen in politics because there has to be a give and take. It's a it's a discussion. Frank Underwood would have had a lot of um, leverage against the president for him to make that deal in the first
1: place. Um, well, I don't know if you, if, you, if you continue to watch the show, for sure that is definitely the premise. But you find out that the the guy was twisted from the beginning. What is surprising though, and something I just realized now, is that. While Frank Unwood appears to be the mastermind amidst um, some chump idiots, I mean it's, it's not that you know, as you introduce to more characters, you realize that, that there are very astudor politicians are, uh, around him. It's just that they all seem to be of nobler metal. Mm. Uh, so they seem to be like a more real, they seem to embody more realistic uh, political principles. Of the type you would see today sort of mixed in with a bag of personal ideals. Mm. Um, they seem to be uh, adopting the typical mandate that a politician would normally adopt when they come to power, mm. and in that show, Frank Underwood appears. What makes him so bad, or what would starkly contrast his nature in in comparison to the other characters, is his is his greed, his pure self interest. Um, so in that, that's what uh, that's what would really fictionalizes the whole the whole show.
0: And I think that's because it, that's so much more characteristic of a career bureaucrat. Than it is of a career politician. Um,
1: yeah, I think it's it's easier to be more self interested as a bureaucrat because you yeah. don't have a, you have a smaller mandate, you only have a mandate to your department. Whereas a politician, they have to, they, you know, they typically are held accountable and and have to be representative in, in some way. So they have they have smaller space to be, um, to be self interested. Although you know, w- within a within a um, Within a democracy, when you have these power, these uh, election cycles, and if you come into the end of your second term as a president, the the members of that cabinet or that presidency know there could be strong political turnover after the next cycle, mm. and there's uh, there's very small incentive to actually you know keep to actually tow the party line, and you might just want to end up leaving leaving a legacy for your mm. individual persona, so mm. that you could re- be remembered in the history books, and that can become it's it might be noble you know if we if you listen to our second episode because uh there we introduced the idea of the philosopher king but often you know people end up uh, starting wars or something uh, or leave great debt because they're just not interested in the country after they leave office mm. peter with having said that i mean i've just moved back to south africa now and you know this being our home even though you're in australia you bloody expat <laughs> um, I want you to tell me, like, I mean, I, I'm making politicians sound maybe a little more noble than they are. Uh, to, to, is there space for corruption, and how how do people get corrupt? How do, especially at the upper echelons?
0: Um, yeah, like I think right, it's it's so complex, but it's it doesn't come down to the way. Again, as exactly you said, the media paints corruption as something that's evil because we want to see the world in these black and white scenarios, but. Um, I'd like to divide this up into two separate uh, two, two separate topics. One is about resource allocation, which we'll discuss with regards to the computer games. But I think a really good analogy of this power struggle is what you see in in TV shows, movies, um, with regards to the power struggle between the military and the uh, executive. Yeah? Okay. yeah? So, like, a, a really good example of this is, is Battlestar Galactica. Okay. Now... In Battlestar Galactica, you have uh, a civilian government on one side and a military, essentially a military control on the other side. Now, the civilian government controls all the civilian stuff and the military controls all of their military um, equipment. Yeah, and that they have two separate, uh, almost two separate spheres of influence. And we see this so often, time and time and time again in war movies where the generals are like oh let's just nuke him and the president always kind of has to hold them back or the rational scientist is like no you know you you have to understand and listen to us that's not how it works at an executive level Uh, in any in any high level democracy you have a situation where the military is always underneath the civilian government not to mention the fact that the military is usually headed by a civilian leader and again, America is a very strange example of this yeah. because although they've got their Minister of Defence or Secretary of Defence, sorry, yeah. um, but their generals sit on committee chi-
1: meetings. Yes, yes, they do, and uh, and they have a Chief of Staff. Yeah, which is
0: which is very strange for a civilian-led government, but I think that's a holdover from the Revolutionary War. But the point is here is that the power is not um, parallel; it's hierarchical. The civilian government sits above. The, um, the, the, the military uh, power controls.
1: So when well, we're talking I don't, about. I don't, I don't know enough about Battlestar Galactica, but I do know that the military is made out to have a lot more power than it should because, as you say normally, I think we need to explain something as to this is that when the difference between the state and the government, when the military is part of the state, so there's no turnover there in an election cycle. The state yeah. is, is, is incumbent and, and it's unrepresentative. Yeah. Whereas the government is representative, and it's you know typically it's voted in, and but the leader of the government, whether it's democratic or not, is in control of the state. The government is supposed to maneuver the state's resources and to provide for its people. With uh, it's supposed to use the state as a set of uh, tools to make mm. people's lives better. So in essence, the military functions for the people by the government. It works for the government. Mm. There is never. It's so seldom you. I'm sure you'll hear of a few screaming matches between generals and ministers of defense. But in the, at the end, the general's never going to win. If, if the minister pulls rank, he's always going to be in the in the, the, the power seat.
0: The only time the military could possibly win that argument is by conducting a coup and taking over the government.
1: Or a state um, of emergency.
0: Yeah, but even in a state of emergency, your civilian government still remains in control.
1: In control, but there are far fewer people who can override the your chief of staff or the... the... Leading general,
0: exactly. So I think what's important here is to note that the military is almost like a resource of the government, isn't it?
1: Absolutely. It's it's, it's a complete. It's a tool. Yeah. And what that means, it's, it's, it's not a it's not a, an uh, autonomous actor. It can't just go ahead and fight people that it wants to fight or operate or how it wants to operate. I mean, even in South Africa, we see how um, how accountable the military is. To, to the government. Yeah. Um, in fact, in an abnormal fashion, we're sort of like the opposite of Battlestar Galactica where we have to uphold certain quota systems, we have to um, spend uh, certain amounts of money on training people in ethics, in, uh, in racial tolerance, we've got, you know, we've got some pretty political policies that mm. influence the daily operations of the, of the state military.
0: And I think what makes it worse from a from a popular culture point of view is that the military and the government are either painted as two sides of rationality. So in Battlestar Galactica you see very clearly that the military are the rational ones. They're the ones who are making the correct decisions and the civilians are the ones who are being idiots because they're not grasping the, the you know the, the complexity of the situation or the military is a you know a trigger-happy moron who's not listening to rationality coming from the civilians but in reality it works completely differently they sit in together but as you say civilians pull rank but it's interesting to note that uh, for instance while the americans were making their decisions to bomb hiroshima and nagasaki it was a lot of the military leaders who were saying which targets yeah. they could and couldn't bomb for yeah, instance they had a lot of yeah, but but influence in a more rational way. So the uh, civilian leaders wanted to bomb Tokyo and I think Kyoto, which were you know massive industrial and cultural sectors. And the general at the time um, said, absolutely not. If you if you bomb those cities, you will irre- irrevocably destroy Japanese culture. Um, and after lengthy discussions, they came down to a plan. So again, it's a it's a it's an illustration of politics being a give and take, a it's a it's a discourse and a discussion about how best to utilise the resources within your given state.
1: And now that you say that, I mean, I'm sure there, there must be a few good examples in *Bellisar Galactica*. But I can I can think in *House of Cards* of how when Frank Underwood is 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 um, has his politician's hat on. He is very good and they and they illustrate quite well the scenes where he is willing to make concessions and he can be a very good negotiator and he bargains with his political resources particularly with his power resources quite well so as much as i i like to you know paint frank underwood is a very fictitious politician and certainly it's not a show that represents the effective workings of daily politics in real life there are certain scenes um and the negotiations that he that he goes through that he makes uh oh, i can't even think of an example now but when he doesn't have his pure self-interest at heart he can be quite a, a good role model for, for how concessionary and how negotiating the um a political meeting can be yeah. between uh between leaders absolutely but now I see I now i've reached
0: i've reached a point in my head where It's like we're almost painting politicians as these altruistic people who stand by their their ideals but having said that how is it that you get corruption i mean
1: we've had you just you just said it now you stand by your ideals and all all that i'm trying to say is those ideals are not always entirely self-interested some of them are but some ideals are also altruistic yeah. I think we we like to think as the public, and you know me in particular, and S- South Africans have a have a good history of doing this. We are very fickle people, and we like to simplify things, especially things we don't understand. It's very difficult to get a handle. I, I don't know on, on any particular bill or policy, for example. So instead of trying to read the four hundred page document, we like to simplify it and say, "Oh, it's authoritarian. It's just restricting our freedom." Why? Because it's probably the the, the sub uh, the subheading on the front cover of the newspaper. Um, so we like to simplify politicians like that. We, instead of looking at the true character of the person, we just look at take them by face value. And if there's one corruption report of that politician, suddenly that person is entirely the you know the the devil of of politics. Is completely the Frank Underwood of South Africa, for example. So it, mm. it's it's down to us who also like to oversimplify things. I don't think the media helps uh, our our simplicity in that fact in that faction. But um, but no, politicians as individuals uh, are, are, you know, very much can be like us. We have a mixture of uh, self-interested ideals and of altruistic ones. Sometimes, as a politician, you don't have perfect information when you're voting on a bill, and you have to just go with what you, th- with what you think is good. Mm. Um, and you might not have the people's best interests at heart because sometimes the people don't know best, and you have to do something that overrides their general interests because in the long term it will work out. Uh, for the for the economy for example Mm. and
0: i i think you've touched on a very interesting point there is that politicians do not have perfect information in fact a lot of the time they have very imperfect information what we what we used to call information asymmetry they don't have access to all the information that they need to make the decision right now which
1: to make make a perfect decision
0: exactly which can lead them to make very very stupid decisions and it's better for a politician to be viewed as evil than it is for a politician to be viewed as stupid because a stupid politician will never get any traction an evil politician at least they're respected so you know like you 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 look at you look at all the blunders that the american government has made for instance in the middle east um I mean, they have fucked up the Middle Eastern diplomacy policy so badly that they've created every single problem that they've then had to deal with 10 years later.
1: And then deal with it incorrectly.
0: And then they deal with it the same way that their predecessors did by arming whichever rebel group is now confronting the group that they armed to deal with the group previous to that. So is it because they're evil and they want to see the Middle East in crisis? No. Because that you know that that's irrational for anybody to to want. And at but, the end of the day, these of, are still rational individuals. But are they making it, mistakes? Yes.
1: Yeah, of course they're making mistakes. But this is kind of like the fog of war in a in a strategy game on on computers. You know, where you can only see where your base of operations lies or where you've explored. You have no idea what your enemy is doing or where the resources lie on the map. You have to mm-hmm. go and explore and find new information. So when you make a decision based on like where to build your, your barracks or how to defend your city, you're doing it with, a, with asymmetrical information. You have to guess where the enemy is going to attack you from. You have to guess where to build your farms or your houses to protect your people. And sometimes you end up, you know, building the houses on the hill right next to the enemy because of the fog of war. You can't mm-hmm. tell the enemy's there. And so if I was an elected president in control of the, of, the, of the well-being of my city, I would be voted out of power because the houses are the first ones attacked by the enemy. Um, so that's mm. the kind of asymmetrical information that would kill you in a strategic game and would mm. certainly make a politician look very stupid um, in real life.
0: Exactly. But, and I think that but, that's such a good example because there, as when you're playing a strategy game like Age of Empires, uh, even though all of the information is traveling to one source, which is you, the player, you yeah. still have asymmetrical information. You still don't have access to everything. But no, I mean, you still I, have the I best can imagine interest.
1: just like... But even if you, and even the information you have accessible access to, you don't necessarily uh, have the processing capacity to deal with it all. I mean, I have to try and think like if I had to play a computer game as you, as Peter, like I would really struggle to process all like the resource numbers, the number of people I have to look after, trying to build an army. I would, I would just suck so badly. Whereas you know, if I was running for president, and I have to play the game with my mind. I would process it a lot quicker. I'd be able to make decisions a lot more efficiently and I'll yep. probably beat you in Age of Empires no no that's
0: dude we've already we've already said who's the best strategy player okay like let's no, let's you just calm down you,
1: you had one lucky game in Rise of Nations and now you think that, uh, please
0: please do not even bring this in here dude I will destroy you so hard it won't <laughs> even be funny
1: okay <laughs> you. Uh, to be good with one strategy game doesn't mean you can win them all
0: Okay. yeah the skills are
1: transferable is what I'm saying uh, that's a lie you keep telling yourself. I don't think <laughs> you haven't even installed Age of Empires. Please. What a lie! The there's another reason why people become corrupt. is not and make bad decisions. It's not just because they have imperfect information and they end up favoring their personal ideals. It's also because you genuinely have self-interested people, uh, and this can come down to resources. They mm. see ba- bad politicians, and I'm going to call them bad. I know it's a value judgment, but I would never say it's good to have one of these politicians. You have people who rise to power in a political system and see the state as a, as a, a set of resources. Mm. And they try to get their hands on as much income as possible, as much of the state funding as possible. And there are many, many ways to do this. Um, one of the most popular ways is to have uh, a close friend or an ally... Um, support you politically so they garner uh, a well constructed department for you or they lead a ministry and you appoint them as ministers so you give them a very fat salary you give them all these state benefits all the, the nice uh, polished things that you get with, bec- with becoming minister of a country and in return they will always vote for your bill, they will always support you in meetings, mm-hmm. they will never backstab you they will never try and take your place and that's where the intrigue of politics comes in. Now, we'll do a separate... Now, I, I know we haven't spoken about this, yet, but I intend to do a separate episode on the workings of uh, Game of Thrones. And you mm. see a lot of it there. But, um, but in general, I think every person can relate to how the back the backhanded nature and the backdoor operations of, uh, of high-end politics where people exchange state resources for political support and that mm. you know, in in political terms we call that patronage or neo patrimonialism yeah where yeah. you appoint people who support you rather than appoint people on merit yeah um but but people who engage in that are very self interested and that's how corruption occurs um, mm. and in fact that's normally what you would watch in a political show or in a mm. show based on politics that's what you would see a lot of in house of cards for example
0: and i would also like i agree with you but i'd like to disagree with you as well that it is self interest but it's only self interested from the point of view of us as like almost postmodern global citizens. So, today, uh, as first world citizens or, or whatever, we, we expect our politicians to take care of the state as a whole. Um, now, that's not necessarily how it works in uh, third world or developing countries that haven't yet developed the state, the modern institutions that we take for granted in countries like Australia or Europe or North America. Yep. So Europe went through a very long period of getting to this to this uh to the state where they had a mentality of taking care of the entire state and everybody within those boundaries and a large reason for that was the constant warfare that they were fighting meritocracy was a necessity within those countries. But if we look at a place where corruption is rampant like africa for instance the the i don't think that necessarily most of the politicians are self-interested in that they're only taking care of themselves they're self-interested in the fact that they're taking care of what exactly what you said their patronage group and that patronage group can be an ethnic minority and that's because that's the way that their political system had evolved prior to colonialism it's it's very unfair to expect them to suddenly jump into a modern state system when they haven't gone through the hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years of philosophical and political association development that Europe went through. So it's not necessarily that they're self-interested. From our point of view, they're self-interested, but from their point of view, they're taking care of their own people and the people that support them.
1: I see where you're coming from, but I think that's inherently racist because you're accusing all people of who support their families as being backwards and we have to take hundreds and hundreds of years to see the altruistic global society that we live in and we should forsake all family ideals to belong with the first world.
0: Uh yeah, like I, I can do- I can totally see how it could be uh taken that way. I'm not I'm definitely not saying that a no, African I'm <laughs> <laughs> but see now that the, the listeners are going to think i'm a racist asshole okay
1: you, yes, well, you're, so, you're a South african who moved to australia now you think you're better than the i didn't rest move of us i came circle. here
0: to do my master's i'm going back home okay fuck you you were in germany last week okay so don't give me shit
1: <laughs> i feel like i'm back with them with my people all right
0: yeah just just to be clear guys this is not necessarily a value judgment on different political associations that we see in the world uh these are steps along an evolutionary process of political association uh one does not necessarily mean that the other is better it's just that in today's world we need to act according to certain standards for us all to live together in a, a you know harmonious international community are you but, going all little hippie on us <laughs> just, just stop What I think is important, just to end this off, is that these are, if you're going to take one thing away from this podcast, these are incredibly complex ideas, and when you're watching shows like House of Cards, or The West Wing, or Battlestar Galactica, take into account that these things are given to you in little 30-minute snippets, whereas a standard parliamentary sitting can last days. hours, yeah. Yeah. Um, So... Take into account that these things are, are never as simple as they appear to you on TV. And,
1: and just think, when you're watching TV, would you rather watch House of Cards or watch the Parliament sh- uh, channel? Exactly. Obviously, you're going to watch something that's more entertaining, so keep that in mind. Politics is boring. It's not as, uh, not as as sexy as they make it, as they sell it.
0: And if Parliament ever becomes as entertaining as House of Cards,
1: you are fucked. It is over. Well, if you watch the African Parliament, it almost is. <laughs> All right, guys, thanks for listening. We've enjoyed this shorter episode. Um, we're trying to make it a bit shorter to keep it punchy and to not bore you guys out a bit. So uh, send us your thoughts, send us feedback, and uh, tell us if we've got anything wrong. We'd love to hear your, your queries and uh, and your corrections. Absolutely. You can go, Absolutely. Us at, at, uh, at gmail.com. go to the website or uh, send us a message on Facebook. We'd love to hear from you and respond to you all.
0: And uh, give us some feedback on whether you prefer this uh, shorter format uh, more uh, more uh, condensed or if you'd like us to go longer whatever you want we're here to do it for you uh, yeah, we'll t- we I love you we'll try and run a
1: poll on that as well
0: yeah that's a good idea uh, thank you everybody uh, we'll speak to you again next week cheers bye-bye. bye bye bye